Hey everybody, before the podcast begins, we just wanted to give a quick heads up about some content warnings for this episode. Uh, this episode of Glee, and therefore this episode of Loser Like Me, contains some brief mentions of suicide. It's nothing too in-depth or graphic, but we figured we should give a heads up on that. There is also an extended scene of parental abuse, uh, emotional and verbal, which we do go into detail on because it is necessary and if you need to skip out of that, that happens around the 55 mark up to the 59 minute mark. Basically, as soon as we start talking about Finn singing to Quinn at her parents' house, that's when you know that you need to start skipping up until the point where we start talking about how great Romy Rosemont is and how great Carol is. So in case any listeners need to be aware of that stuff and feel the need to skip out or just skip this episode entirely, now you know. Um, and now we enjoy the show! Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Hello and welcome to Loser Like Me, a Glee recap and review podcast. I'm Tanner. And I'm Christina. And I bet the duck is in the hat. Yes. (laughs) We, um, I, I honestly, like, I think at this point, I don't have a good, like, joke to lead into the episode because, um, for this episode, we watched, uh, we watched Ballad, which is season one, episode 10. It's an extremely dense episode. It, it occupies two completely diametrically opposed positions on the scale of glee tone. Yes. Not, not since the Degrassi episode where the A plot was about the popular girl and the nerdy guy teaching each other how to pass the classes they're failing, and the B-plot was about a false rape accusation against a teacher, have I seen such a totally separate episode of teen drama? hmm Like, for reference here, this episode was written by Brad Falchuk, but it feels like there were two separate writers in this episode. It was written and directed by Brad. Yeah, but if it it feels like one it, it it feels like the I would I would call the the A plot was written by Brad Falchuk, but the B plot was written by Ryan Murphy. I feel <laughs> like Yeah, that definitely has I feel like the B plot is something that Ryan like wrote on a the writers room board. Which, remember, the writer's room was just Ryan, Ian, and Brandon for the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. So he probably just wrote on the board, like, at some point, Rachel is going to try and get with Will. Yes. And then when they couldn't think of a B-plot for one of their episodes, like, all right, it's time. I guess. (laughs) Let's begin the episode. It begins with Will writing on the whiteboard in the choir room, ballad. And from the English word, ballad. (laughs) Yes. 
actually, technically, this first step, this episode starts off with a reminder of how great the line, call the Vatican, because we got ourselves another immaculate conception, how it's a very good line. It, it is quite a good line. Yes, it is a quite good line. Um, another good line is yes. when Will turns to the kids and says, does anyone know what a ballad is? And Brittany immediately says, says it's a male it's duck. It's a male duck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And this is... At this point, we are reaching the... The writers are figuring out who they want Brittany to be, and she is she is a beautiful and unique character, and everyone loves Brittany. Brittany has never done anything wrong. No, she has not. She has and never intentionally remember, done anything wrong. If I remember correctly, I don't think she ever will either. Good. At least one character on the show needs to be unproblematic. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so Will Will corrects Brittany. No, a ballad is an, is a story being set to music. It's a way for you to express emotions that need to be, you know, expressed in a cathartic sense. And hey, um, this is the point at which I wrote, we now have to do ballads, but for whatever reason, text edit decided to autocorrect it to, we now have to do salads. <laughs> And I'm like, no, that's that's an actual word. You don't have to do that autocorrect, but it's Seriously, fine. right in front of my ballad? Yes. <laughs> there you go, episode title. <laughs> um, um, this is the part where I wrote, doesn't that make every song a ballad? Yeah. What is your definition of a ballad, then, if, if you think that Will's definition is lacking? Ah. Uh... Well, I don't think it's lacking, it's just that there's got to be more to it than just it's a story set to music, mm -hmm. because what, when you think about it, every song is a story set to music, almost, mm -hmm. and if it's not, it becomes one if it's on Glee, yeah. usually. Yeah. Although, I'm sure we'll reach some points where some songs lose story elements because they're on Glee, because they're just being sang for the sake of being sung. Yes. The ones where they're picked just because the lyrics match up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of songs that don't have stories to them, and I think maybe Party Rock Anthem is the only one that comes to mind. Yeah. I feel like a definition of ballad that actually fits for Glee is the kind of song that you sing, and when you sing it, you envision yourself like sitting on a chair or like a stool with a spotlight and like a thousand candles around you. Yeah. Or, like, when you're pining, like, out the window of your car as your parents move you away from your childhood sweetheart in a romantic movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can- we can definitely say that every Torched song is a ballad. Yes. Um, also, I'd go out on a limb and I'd say most ballads are solo numbers. Yeah. Some of them you could get away with making them duets, but mm -hmm. if- if you're doing a group number- I mean, I know, I guess that doesn't work either, because this ends with a group number ballad. Yeah. In that case, maybe it's that a ballad is a song that has to be sung with, like, a unified emotion throughout. Like, yeah. if, it, if, it, if it's a duet or a group number, everyone has to be on the same emotional wavelength. It can't be, like, I'm singing this song and I'm angry at you, but you're in love with me. Kind of a thing. Yes. That is a, that is a good way to define it. <laughs> Okay, cool. We should get out of the etymology corner. <laughs> now that we've figured out what kind of duck a ballad is. Yes. It's time for their weekly assignment. Yes, there's a new rule. Uh, count them. 
that you have to have a ballad in your sectionals performance. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, Which is Rachel's fault. Yeah, her weekly letters to the Ohio Show Choir Committee have finally paid off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at this point, that doesn't phase anyone in the Glee Club. They're just like, okay. <laughs> and then when Will says that you're going to partner up and you're going to sing your ballad to the other person so that they can judge your, I guess, um, emotional mm-hmm. wavelength, maturity. Yes. And I need you to sing these songs to your partner while making direct and intense eye contact, which is, it's almost like he doesn't work with high schoolers. He doesn't realize that this is almost the most awkward way that you could be singing a ballad to someone, <laughs> is, to, is, to, is to make them physically unable to run away from your singing to them. <laughs> well, he's going to learn that lesson in a hard way in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he says, okay, kids, you're going to pair off and sing ballads to each other. Randomly assigned partners. Randomly assigned partners, except for um, there's one little, there's one little snag. Would you like to tell the audience where Matt is this episode? Oh yeah, I was going to ask, is the snag the fact that Tina got assigned to Mike because she drew the name Other Asian from out of the hat? No, I was going to say the other snag is the fact that um that Matt Dijon Talton is completely absent from the episode. Um in canon, Matt's gone because there was a spider in his ear and he's at the hospital. That's fine. Shades of Night Vale to come. <laughs> oh no, wait, yeah, and it was throat spiders yes. to explain changing voice actors. My bad. Yes, the throat spiders are next season. I don't watch I don't watch or listen to Night Vale. <laughs> um, anyway, it's super cute when the kids like go to pick their numbers because everyone does like the drumming on their legs thing as people go to pull names out of a hat, which is cute. Yeah. Yeah. Tina draws other Asian. Yeah. Which I'm not sure how that worked. I hope someone was doing a prank and just switched out Mike's name in the hat. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, it would make sense because also Santana gets Brittany because she definitely rigged this. <laughs> yeah, so the pairings are Puck and Mercedes. They're not super thrilled about that, but whatever. Um, Artie and Quinn. Artie is, Artie is happy to be singing to his friend Quinn. And Quinn is like, okay, whatever. Um, I feel pulls- like this episode, just this one scene, sparked like a huge swath of Quinn and Artie pairings. <laughs> Look, the thing is that Diana Agron has chemistry with most of the cast. <laughs> it's because she's acting. Yes, because because she's acting, <laughs> and the shippers in the early stages of the Glee fandom were doing whatever they could to try and impose some kind of romantic logic and common sense into this show yeah um anyway finn pulls up kurt's name kurt is extremely excited about this and finn tries to uh get out of it but will says the fates have spoken (laughs) and rachel pulls out will's name because will put himself in for the interest of even pairings no no he he didn't put himself in the hat rachel was just like i'm on my own i guess i have to go with will and will's like Okay, I I guess it works just for the assignment. One-on-one tutoring. Will tries to back out, but then Finn says, The fates have talked, Mr. Shoe. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Finn, you sweetheart. Um, yeah, hey, uh, okay, so here's the- here's something fun that I don't know if the writers were necessarily aware of. Um, Leah Michelle and Matthew Morrison did date, uh, back before Glee started- (laughs) 
Oh, um, this is something that this is something that Leah Michelle disclosed in a memoir that she wrote uh, in twenty and published in twenty fourteen. So after Glee, um, I did some quick math. Um, Leah said they dated for direct quote here a Broadway beat back in the day. Which implies that it wasn't any kind of a long-term thing. But also, I did some math. I have math on a post-it note here. Oh, good. Um, the So, Leah Michelle and Matthew Morrison are eight years apart in age. Okay. And they were both That's not on... the worst, uh, but tell me what the ages were. Um, so, the last time that they were both on Broadway was actually, I think, just before Glee would have started filming. Um, which... Means that the late, the oldest they could have been when they were dating would have been when Leah Michelle was twenty-two and he was thirty. <sighs> that's that's on and the they, cusp. And they probably dated when they were younger, mm. which is not super great. They're they are both in happy and fulfilling relationships now, which is great for them. It is it is retroactively concerning. <laughs> Yeah, that being said... That being said. Rachel and Will do a duet of endless love, and it is yes. two grown adults singing to each other. But in the context of the show, this it's is a 16... It's a high 16- schooler singing to her teacher. It's 16-year-old singing to, I'm assuming, a 30-ish-year-old? Yes. And also, <laughs> um, fun fact, Rachel starts off this number by asking for endless love in B-flat, which is the key the song is written in. So I don't know why she felt the need to tell Brad the key that the song was in. <laughs> Maybe there was some off-screen thing where Brad just started trying to mess with the kids by playing in the wrong key, and Rachel had it out with them. God, I would read that fanfic. <laughs> Brad, Brad sabotages the teens from making bad decisions by playing songs in the wrong key. Yes, it's... <laughs> How Brad saved the Glee Club. It's his only way to lash out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as Rachel gets really into this, she mm-hmm. is about to pounce because Will yeah. is seeing her. He's locked eyes with her. Yes. He can't escape now. Yes. He is trying her, to run away as she circles around the piano. Her teen hormones kick in. And Will is literally like, he is running around the piano and he's like, okay, I got to keep distance between the two of us. I thought that we're going to like Looney Tunes style run around the piano. He goes on a magical face journey here. Yeah, he makes he makes some very good faces. Um, should we mention during this that the that the Glee kids are doing internal that everyone is doing like internal monologues at this point? Yeah, so we'll we'll write off the we'll rattle off the one shot ones first because Finn thinks about how Rachel's butt looks really good, but then he's like, mm-hmm. oh no, I think Quinn can see me. Yes, and then Quinn, Quinn either catches some staring, or she is telepathic. Or maybe she's also thinking about Rachel's butt. I mean, maybe. I'm not. Look, I I am here, and I support none of these teens being as straight as they are written. I'm not going to say none of that. Um, but I am more in line with the idea of Quinn being secretly telepathic. Yeah, anything um, can happen. Anything can happen. It's Ryan Murphy. It's a Ryan Murphy property. <laughs> oh, yes. Kurt is thinking about how he could definitely sing the song with Finn, but screw him if he thinks he's taking the Diana Ross part. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. Um, and Puck, Puck is commando. Puck is full commando. <laughs> Love it. 
I'm very glad that Puck didn't have a lot to do in this episode, because if he did, I think this episode would explode from how glee it was. <laughs> Is Puck wearing underwear at any point during this episode? Probably not. <laughs> Vote on your phones what your headcanon is. Yeah. And then we get some, like, internal monologue stuff from Rachel about how she's like, I'm like, oh, I've never realized how cute Mr. Schuster is. I like his eyes and his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and Will's face journey says, this might be the shortest amount of time that it's ever taken me to realize how bad of a decision this was. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the cast... Or the rest of the Glee Club realizes how bad this is. Because when the number's over, they just do like an awkward like. <laughs> but they do also pull out their phones to wave them back and forth. Oh, they did. I didn't notice that because I was taking notes. Yeah. You know, yeah. They all start pulling out their phones like how you would with your lighters. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are into it. They're like, yeah, this is a terrible plan. <laughs> but and. Any point that we can both razz our teacher and Rachel Berry simultaneously, we're here mm -hmm. for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go into the terrible A-plot. I mean, it's not terrible in that it's terribly written. It's just terrible in that... It's terrible for what happens to the characters. Yes. So, Christina, I gotta ask. Yeah. As a girl who has grown up with religion, as mm -hmm. opposed to me, a they who is just kind of, like, tangentially beside it. Yes. Chastity balls. Are those real? I could not tell you, Tanner. Because, listen. If, if they are a thing in continental North America, I have to assume that they probably happen somewhere in the Bible Belt, or the American South, or extremely conservative religious communities. I, listeners, uh, for reference here, uh, I am a cradle Catholic, born Catholic, raised Catholic, still, still Catholic with, you know, some issues with church teachings, but whatever. Um, and like, my dad's a deacon, but I, I went to Cotillion, but I never went to a chastity ball, for which I am very grateful. Yeah, like... <laughs> I think this is something that probably probably the writers were just like, okay, what's uh, what's something extremely Christian that we can make Quinn do? Chastity ball. <laughs> what is something that... We don't know a lot about Christianity in this writer's room, but we know it has a lot to answer for. So what can we do that makes it seem as much like a cult as possible? Yeah, we don't think religion to religion doesn't exist in Los Angeles or Hollywood. <laughs> Unless you can make a, a joke about someone being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> or make fun of the Christians, the conservative Christians. Yeah. But yeah, so we we have cut to Quinn's house where yes. she is trying on her pure virgin white dress for the mm -hmm. upcoming chastity ball her yep. mom is like oh honey you look so beautiful with mm -hmm. your purity and your untouched hymen she doesn't say that but that's basically <laughs> the vibes they're trying to get across yeah yeah quinn quinn misses her cheerios uniform for its supportive and concealing stomach panel yeah, because um, <laughs> they also they can't finish getting the dress zipped up. Yeah. And Quinn's like, oh, I had a big lunch. Quinn lies to her mom and says that flat baby is actually really big tacos. Yep. <laughs> um, and Qu Quinn's mom, like, I, I come from a family that is, that is, I wouldn't say that, like, my family is necessarily, like, touchy-feely. 
we are physically affectionate, but like Quinn's mom is getting extremely touchy feely with her daughter here. And don't you miss the physical exercise that you had back when you were on the Cheerios? And Quinn's like, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is when, um, this is when Quinn's dad enters the house with, honey, Glenn Beck is on, and that's all you need to know about how trash of a character he's going to be. Also, his name is Russell. <laughs> he was, uh, built in a lab that creates Republican stereotypes. <laughs> yes. He he makes, like, a joke about, like, oh, like, I don't want to see my daughter in her dress. Like, she's getting married. And Quinn says, I'm not getting married. <laughs> they all, they talk about Finn and how Finn's a gentleman. And hey, guess what? They're inviting Finn over for dinner. And you, you can see the klaxons go off in Quinn's head. <laughs> and then we get some, you know, compulsive demonstrations of how terrible the Fabre's marriage is. <laughs> yeah. And heteronormative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Judy Fabray is very much, I, I'm i going to stay in the kitchen. I've decided that that's my place. Yeah, she, she's a, I th if I remember correctly, she gets some depth later on in Glee. But she for does. right now, she's a, she's a very tragic character. I mean, yeah, she, she even gets depth in this episode. Yeah. But yeah, right now we're just, hey, we need to demonstrate. That if you don't know anything about Christians, but you're a little suspicious of them, the Fabrays are here to say that all your suspicions are true. Yes. Yeah, so then we get to we get to pinball back to the terrifying B plot. <laughs> Rachel walks in on Will's class. He's like grading papers or something. Yeah, she's got a gift for him and he opens it up and it's a tie with like music notes sewed into it. And she's and like, gold stars. Yeah, gold stars. And when you wear it, you can think of me. And the star you're helping me become. <laughs> and his face just says, oh no. <laughs> well, we actually find out it says, oh no, not again. Because he walks into Emma's office and he's like, it always starts with a novelty gift. <laughs> this is where we get to, um... <laughs> Uh, Emma says, like, well, oh, if if, the, if you had to rank crushworthy teachers at the school, Will, you'd be number one with a bullet. <laughs> and Emma's like, wait. And Will's like, wait. <laughs> but then they're like, no, we have to continue with the episode. Time well, for the Ballad of Susie Pepper. Oh, Susie Pepper is another grown woman. I'm pretty sure she's actually more grown than Rachel is. Yes. Oh. She she has kind of like the, um, the moaning myrtle kind of a vibe. Yeah, you know, that's like aesthetic. she, she was played by an actress who is very clearly, absolutely not a teenager. Yeah, and cannot be plausibly a teenager, but is still playing a teenager. So here's here here's the context and the dating of this episode. Yeah. Susie Pepper is played. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's played by the same actress who played April Kepner on Grey's Anatomy. And I remember April Kepner because she was introduced in the last season that I watched of Grey's Anatomy. And then I checked the dates, and not only is Susie Pepper April Kepner, but she played April Kepner before she played Susie. But she played a surgical attending or resident, whichever one is lower, before she played a high school teen. That's Hollywood, baby! <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Susie Pepper has a theme. <laughs> yes. 
She fell in love with Will Schuster while he was teaching his Spanish class about alpaca migration through South America. <laughs> he he says, and then the alpacas went to Guadalajara, which the subtitles for me noted as Guatemala. Same for <laughs> Those me. are two very separate places. <laughs> and Susie says, Mr. Shu, how do you conjugate the verb to love? And the answer is, it's amo, amas, ama, amamos, amais, aman. In the basic conjugation. Uh, Spanish quarter. Mamma mia. Yes. Um, also, she, everything she wears is pepper-themed. She's like, a, she's like an Animal Crossing character. She's like a Power Ranger. A little bit, yeah, she's the Pepper she's, Ranger. She's, she's the pow- she is the Glee equivalent of a Power Rangers, either monster or non-player character of the week. Yeah, at the end of the episode, like, she, like, drops her disguise and she's, like, a giant pepper lizard. That would have made, that would have almost made more sense. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, two years ago, Susie did the same falling in love thing. She gave Will a tie with peppers on it. Um, she called Will's house in the middle of the night and Terry threatened to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, you little harlot. If you don't stop calling us in the middle of the night, my sleeping pills won't work, and then I'll go insane and kill you. Yep. <laughs> and yes, Terry is threatening to kill a minor, but also at this point, I'm not even phased by this. It's Terry. The fact that this has been going on for that Terry's um, murderous tendencies have been going on for at least two years is not surprising. <laughs> and then Will apparently told Susie that you know this is inappropriate. I'm a teacher. You're a student. This can't happen. And then she had a breakdown while listening to More Than Words and then tried to commit suicide by eating the world's hottest pepper. Yeah, it, it burned holes and, in her esophagus and she was put in a medically induced coma. I don't think that's how capsaicin works. No. But go for it, Glee. Look, even though Ryan Murphy had a show which was about, you know, elective medicine, he still doesn't know medicine. <laughs> um... At this point, Will says, these girls, will too- these girls are too fragile, and I have lots of concerns with that, but we're not going to deal with that right now. I mean, the phrasing leaves something to be desired. but basically, The phrasing is very 2009. He's, what he's trying to say is that they're in such a, a state of hormonal turmoil, basically. Yeah, that's teens. <laughs> that he's worried that anything he might do might push them over the edge whether it be letting it burn out or uh, confronting it directly. I'm here thinking, why don't you talk to the parents that uh, their kid has developed a, <laughs> mm-hmm. a psychosexual obsession with their teacher and explain to them why it's wrong to yeah. pursue that like it's a real thing. Yeah. And see, I'm over here. I'm like, why did Will stay teaching at McKinley? How was he allowed to stay teaching at McKinley High School? Well, Why didn't they tell him, no, you have to go somewhere else now? <laughs> I mean, one, it's McKinley, but also Will didn't technically do anything wrong. Yeah. It's not because it's not like he encouraged anything. He did tell the student, like, not, not, to, not, not to say that Susie made bad decisions because she was clearly he, he, has other stuff going on. But Will didn't he say. He did discourage the student. But at this point, at that point in time, I don't think the American educational system would have necessarily put all the blame on the student yeah it uh, this is this is this is trash do we need to address anything else with Susie pepper aside from 
in this case, tell Rachel no. Yeah, basically, Will doesn't want to tell Rachel no outright because he, he's afraid that Rachel will commit suicide via uh, ballads somehow. And so Emma suggests that he sing the feelings to her because that's... Th- th- it's the only way that Glee members can adequately express emotion. Exactly. And then he says that's a great idea. And then he leaves and we go to the next scene. Which is, I guess this is the C plot? <laughs> no, it's it's part of the A plot because it's it's Finn's half of the A plot. Where he... Yeah. Finn, as, as good of a kid he is, he's too heterosexual to sing his feelings to Kurt. Even though Kurt is yeah. trying to... At this point, Kurt is trying to seduce him. Yes, we we get those, like, terrifying straight-on shots again. Where Kurt says, sing to me everything you feel. And Finn looks like he's a thumb. <laughs> Sing to me, my angel of music. His Finn's chin is like so far back into his neck that that there is no division between his face and his neck. Uh, It's the emotions are making them fuse. Yeah. Kurt tries to convert Finn to become interested in boys and to no longer be interested in women. Um, But uh, Finn is not at that point in his self-discovery or in in his, you know, maturation i guess you could say yeah he he's not over the eternalized homophobia that comes from being a quarterback in the in midwest america in yeah. the early aughts he he does snap at kurt but then he immediately apologizes so he's still okay mm-hmm. and then he talks about how it's just really stressful trying to like be with quinn and support her and also hide things from the, all the parents and stuff and now he's been invited to dinner and Kurt's like, uh, the girls are your problem. They're up, they're down. Yes. Kurt's like, yes, the women. The women problems. Kurt's like, you need to solve your internalized homophobia with some internalized misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh... And Finn says, actually, I just really want to be a dad. <laughs> yeah. I got sad at several points in this episode, but the overarching Was it because theme, you were drinking? The, I was... I don't drink a lot, so one Mike's Hard Lemonade is enough for me to go, (laughs) Finn never got a chance to be a dad, and Corey never got a chance to be a dad. Yeah, that that occurred to me as well, and it did make me sad when I was watching this episode. (laughs) Because I I feel, I I cannot speak to Corey Monteith's parenting skills, but I feel like Finn the character would have been a good dad. Yeah. And if you, even if he had, you know, issues being a parent he would have he would have still been an enthusiastic father yes kurt suggests instead of instead of singing to me because you're not at that point yet how about you sing Mm -hmm. to the baby look out in the auditorium and pretend that your four-year-old daughter is sitting right there that chair right there that's where flat baby sits exactly and you should sing i'll stand by you by the pretenders because i know you know the song and it's in your range so then he walks over and he starts playing. And at this point, I'd like to say it's a good thing I was not watching this episode with my mom in the room because this is her favorite song. Oh, so she would have cried. She would have cried. Well, specifically, it's her favorite song that when she hears it, she thinks about me and how much she loves me. Tanner, your mother is extremely good. And she has I'll Stand By You tattooed on her wrist. You're. <sighs> I'm tempted to make the MVP for this episode your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, yeah, if if she was watching with me, we would have had to pause because she would turn to me and she'd go, And Tanner, you know I would always stand by you. 
Aww. I'm like, yes, Mom, I know because you say that every time you hear this song. <laughs> and I'm um, also aware that I'm the wind beneath your wings and everything else. Aww. Um, Mom, you're embarrassing me on my podcast. <laughs> Cut to like three seasons from now when your mother is a guest on the podcast. Oh boy. <laughs> While Finn is doing the whole like singing on the stage with Kurt, he's also practicing in his, what I'm assuming is his room by singing to what looks like a gif or a video of a flat baby sonogram. Well, it's probably the same DVD that they used to entrap Will. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's true. It's probably a copy. Um, but. I'd like to take a note here that Finn is singing to this video that's playing on a MacBook. How did he get the money for a MacBook? <laughs> Maybe Quinn got a new MacBook during when she was on the Cheerios, and then she gave her previous MacBook, which was also a rider from being on the Cheerios, to Finn. <laughs> I'll accept that. That's a good reason. Happy birthday. Here's a secondhand laptop. Yeah. Um... And, and Finn was probably like, oh, cool, what games are on it? <laughs> and remember, if um, you look up porn, it will explode. Yeah. Um, but uh, we have a very good dramatic scene here because um, Finn's mom walks in on him when he's singing to the sonogram. And she real she says, like, are you is that a sonogram? Or were you singing to a sonogram? And he doesn't say anything. And she puts it together. Um, she is also wearing a phenomenal denim vest. <laughs> um, but when she asks him if Quinn is pregnant, they just, they, they cry and they hold each other and they have, they, they have a nice supportive cry and she tells him that it's going to be okay because Carol Hudson is a fantastic mother. Yes. And Finn's there like, I messed up mom. And she's like, no, you didn't. It's, it's fine. It's, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then after the commercial break, yeah. we see Quinn saying, it's not going to be fine. Yes. Um, Quinn yells at Finn for telling his mom because she's concerned about her reputation. And she's concerned that word could get back to her parents. Even though Finn is like, look, our parents don't hang out. And also my mom doesn't necessarily like talk with the kind of people who would spread this. Yeah, he specifically says my mom doesn't talk to other moms. Which is like, oh, Carol, I hope you can make friends, honey. She deserves like, friends. I feel like it's not so much that she can't make friends, so much as Carol doesn't have time to deal with this specific kind of moms, like the Fabre kind mm -hmm. of mothers. That's probably true. But between my shifts, I don't have the patience to try and tolerate mm -hmm. you. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, Finn's just like smacking him up and saying, well, not physically, but verbally, like, you're dumb, I'm smart, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is, this argument is causing Tina's rosacea to act up. Yeah. And Kurt says, it's okay, I'll intervene. And then he goes over to, to Finn and he's like, hello, have you considered stop, uh, ending dating women? <laughs> have you considered not being heterosexual today? And Finn's, like, ah, uh, I don't know, it's just pregnancy hormones. There are a lot. But thanks for helping me sing to my sonogram, dude. You're real smart, and I like you as a friend. And Kurt's like, yes, phase one is complete. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, as you know, it has been evident since episode three, 
of Glee. Um, Kurt finally tells the audience that he is madly in love with Finn and has been for at least a year at this point. Maybe two, because Finn yelled at Puck for shoulder-checking Kurt once his freshman year. Yeah, that was that was all Kurt needed to fall in love with him. And hey, that's realistic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've talked about being the only gay in the high school before. Yeah. Our standards are rock bottom. Mm-hmm. If, if, he, if he looks at you and smiles and doesn't always put you in the dumpster. Yeah. You're sitting there like, ah, yes, I can make this work. Yes. And specifically, Kurt says, I don't know why I find his stupidity charming. He's cheating off a girl who thinks the square root of four is rainbows. Because, God bless Brittany. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the Glee fandom doing any pairing at the beginning, I once read a really good fic that Finn and Brittany were dating. Oh, that that would be like that would be so cute and so dumb and so good. They were both very dumb, and they got emotionally attached over the 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 take this egg and pretend it's a human child. Aww, I feel like I've read a Glee fic that was I think it was a Quinn and Puck fic. It was about them taking care of a bag of flour for parenting class. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, Um, to further date myself in this episode, I read that fanfic on Live Journal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of this is to say that Kurt's master plan is to be emotionally supportive of Finn, so that when his and Quinn's relationship break, like, detonates, as Kurt knows that it will, because he is, because he is Ryan Murphy's self-insert character, (laughs) then step three, Finn will run to Kurt for emotional support, and then they will fall in love. (laughs) And, you know... It would be interesting if that is how the plot played out. Yes. Keyword there is would be. It would have been. It would have been. There's a lot of fascinating things that could have happened to Kurt that didn't because other things happened to Kurt. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, time for time for the time for the dumbass B plot. Uh yeah. What were you gonna say before we go back to that? Oh, I was gonna say that Kurt Kurt also bonded with Finn over Glee, football, and skincare. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a shot of him saying that Finn's T-zone is dry, and Finn immediately looks at his crotch, and Kurt's like, no, it's like, on your face. Uh, here's here's some lotion. Moisturize. Yeah. And then you can moisturize me. Anyways. Uh. <sighs> oh, should I do a bad segue? Sure, why not? Speaking of people being moist, Will is... <laughs> ah! Will is going to enact his plan to sing Rachel's feelings away. Yeah. Uh, they're in the choir room. We didn't room. say it was a good plan. They're in the choir room. Emma's there. Rachel's like, why is Miss Pillsbury here? And she's like, I'm thinking of doing some career counseling and song. Yes. And Will says, Rachel, I have a mashup to sing to you of young girl and don't stand too close to me. And please, for the love of God, take these lyrics literally. (laughs) This is, there is no metaphor here. Yes. I'm singing two songs about students that have crushes on their teachers mashed together, and I'm a teacher singing them to the student who has a crush on me, the teacher. Yes, except for the fact that in this mashup, I like the fact that they included the line, you're just a baby in disguise. (laughs) But I don't like the fact that they kept in the line, with all the charms of a woman, you've kept the secret of your youth. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> that is uncomfy. 
it's the second most uncomfy thing in this episode. I'd say I'm calling the police, but they're already here. (laughs) (laughs) Tanner just did finger guns. Um, Um, Also, Will... So Will is trying to be... I'm not going to say he's trying to be unsexy, but he's not pulling a thong song and demonstrating how badly he fucks. He is... Like, like staring directly, unblinkingly at Rachel. Yes. With no smile, pointing directly at her and pointing directly at the door. Yes. <laughs> saying, "Stop the this!" Piano while he's singing, though, which, uh, which charms both of them. Yeah, he accidentally seduces both uh, Rachel and Emma. Yes. Will Schuster is a menace and cannot be stopped. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Rachel is like, I understood that perfectly. I'm very young, and it's hard for you to stand close to me. Yes. Which- And and Will is like, you took- you took it literally, but you took the wrong parts literally. Yeah. And then he, like, looks to Emma for support, and she's just like, you're a very good performer. Wow, Will. Wow. And then she's, like, turning to Rachel, like, wasn't he good? <laughs> Um, and I can't remember how we leave the scene, because my last note for the scene is just, the ghost of Susie Pepper is here. Yeah, it's like, they they leave, well, Rachel leaves the choir room, because she's like, I have to go, I have to go think up a fantastic song to sing to you for the ballad now. And there's an actual, like, poltergeist shot, like, Rachel leaves the the choir room, and then Susie Pepper appears from the student body behind her, just doing, like, the Kubrick stare, yeah. like, the lowered forehead thing. And it's creepy. <laughs> uh, back to the A-plot. We're, we're still deep in our emotions. So mm-hmm. Finn and Kurt are in Finn's basement, and they're going through Finn's dad's stuff because he wants to find something nice to wear to the Fabres. Mm-hmm. And they end up bonding over their dead parents. Yeah, I, I literally have dead parent bonding. Same here. <laughs> Finn gave Kurt his his dad's like army helmet, like, hey, wear this the next time that, that Puck throws you into the dumpster. Haha, <laughs> you get bullied. <laughs> I mean, it's cute. It is. It is cute. Um, and yeah, Kurt talks about how his dad has never really cleaned up his mom's armoire, mm-hmm. or and so Kurt sometimes sneaks in there, and he can still smell the perfume that she wore, even though like she's been dead for ten years, at least ish mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote to, like they find a nice suit jacket. Of Finn's dad's, and he's wearing it, looking in the mirror, and he says, My father was brave enough to go fight in some desert thousands of miles away. I can't even go over to Dudley Road and tell the Fabres the truth. And then Dudley Road. Dudley Road. <laughs> yes. And then Kurt says, Your father didn't charge into the breach empty-handed. He had a weapon. And then Finn says, You think I should bring a gun? And then I have a note here that says, Well, the gun probably wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Given it would how, impress the Fabres. Given how hyper-conservative the Fabres are, it wouldn't have hurt. And also, what will happen when we get to the Fabres house? Yeah, but no, Kurt suggests that he, again, say his feelings in a song. No, you don't need to carry guns when you're in the Glee Club. When you're in the Glee Club, your weapons are your music. <laughs> Hey, Christina. Hey, Tanner. Remember back in episode two where Finn made a joke about how sometimes he was worried that Rachel was hiding underneath his bed? 
Now I do. <laughs> so Will comes back home after a long day of glee clubbing and being sexy. And he like reclines on the couch and is handed a beer. He's like, oh, thanks, honey. And then Rachel yes. <laughs> says, you're he, welcome. Dinner's almost he, ready. I hope you like casserole. Or I hope, no, I hope you like venison. <laughs> and Will does like the actual like wide eyed horror movie bolt off the couch. Um, I did write down the Rachel is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yes. I have another here that is shades of Murphy to come. Uh, turns out that um rachel showed up at the schuster house which which is apparently also an apartment Um, yeah that sounds like a continuity error she she showed up at will and terry's house and terry let her in because terry's like hey it's free servitude (laughs) will points out how immoral this is but terry's like she's a great cook and also, I can't clean because baby. We don't want chemicals to get on the flat baby. <laughs> um, Terry also refers to the Glee Clubbers as young girls who are perkier and younger than I am. Yes, she thinks that he's going to cheat with his students. He points out this is all stemming from the fact that she has major trust issues. He tries to touch her stomach because she says she has a rash and she like she like hyperspeeds away from his touch, which is. Another another nail in the coffin. And then Will's like, Rachel, can we- I need to take you home. Legally? Mm-hmm. Morally. Yes. And so she's in the back seat. He's like, uh, children need to sit in the back. And she's like, yeah, if they're under seven. Anyways, I need to seduce you through song. And then she uh, attempts to sing Crush by Jennifer Page. Yeah, she like leans forward. Like, she had not wearing her seatbelt, so she leans forward and, like, puts the CD in the thing, and she gets two lines in before Will, like, turns the CD off and makes her buckle up. He says some kind of bullshit about, like, the acoustics in this car are terrible. Yeah. Um, but a fun fact, and- there is a full version of the song, so if you want to listen to approximately three yeah. minutes of Leah Michelle being really breathy sexy, it's yeah, just... It's like- a little crush. It doesn't take a scientist to understand what's going on, baby. It's like, it's that amount of air in her voice. Um, <laughs> but it's, Rachel says, I want someone who's, who's more put together than high school boys. And I'm like, well, honey, you're not going to get that on, on the TV show Glee. Yeah. And as we leave the scene, there's like a weird siren effect that plays. Because I've called the police. <laughs> yes. And then it plays again when we go to the next scene, which is um, Susie Pepper and Rachel talking in the hallway. They, they have some kind of a talk where Susie's like, Rachel, you need to stop being interested in Will. And she's like, no, screw you. Basically, Susie is trying to warn Rachel about being interested in Will. Rachel says, no, I'm smart and he's cool. Well, and, and the way it's staged is it's kind of like Susie Pepper saying stay away from my man a little bit yeah yeah and also Susie Pepper is still still a student at William McKinley High School so at this point she's at least a junior yeah I would Um, I would reckon she's a senior yeah me too because she's 30 yeah (laughs) 
Um, thankfully, then, we get walked away from that scene because it's Mercedes talking on the phone to Tina as she goes to practice uh, her ballad with Puck. Yeah, she she tells her that everything is so emotional and that she found her hamster was pregnant and just started weeping. Yeah. And then she tells uh, Puck. And Puck's really mi- miffed that Mercedes is skipping the ballad rehearsal and she's like, None of us can focus on doing ballads individually because of all the Finn and Quinn drama. So we're Because gonna... we're concerned about our friend. Yeah. We're all going to sing a ballad to Finn and Quinn to show that we, the Glee Club, support them and all their issues. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Puck yells, I am concerned when things are not about me! <laughs> because he yells at Mercedes and he tells her, Finn's not the father, I am! <laughs> With the hallway door. Uh, and then the open. crowd goes wild and someone throws a chair. <laughs> yes. And thankfully, Mercedes continues to be a fantastic character in this show. Yeah. Because she points out that just because you might biologically be the father of this baby, that does not mean that you are going to be this baby's capital F father. Yeah. And back off because you owe that to Quinn. Yeah. She, sa- Qu- she says, Quinn chose Finn to be the dad. So take a hint. Mm-hmm. You have no right to mess her life up any more than it already is. And Puck looks very sullen. Yes. Hey, um... Speaking of messing Quinn's life up more than it already is... <laughs> we get to go to the capital W. Guess, what's, guess what my worst is going to be for this episode, everyone? We get to go have dinner with the Febreys. Oh, no, because I actually like this scene. I, uh, how, how this goes, my hands are together, listeners, how this goes. Listeners, gather around. Yes. As Christina tells you, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, so there's, there is this, they have dinner. Um, I have never, I have never been in a relationship, so I've never had to have awkward dinner with my significant other's parents. But it's that awkward first dinner with your significant other's parents, and Finn makes, like, an awkward compliment about, I like the ham! <laughs> and Quinn's dad, Russell, says, there's no beating Judy's meats. Wanky. Yes. Finn Finn is very happy with the food. Um, Russell does- he decides that he's going to do a toast- at this point, we should. I have it down in my notes that Quinn keeps calling her father Russell Daddy. No! <laughs> That's um, what you do when you're in vaguely cultish Hollywood television Christianity. Yeah. And Russell gives a toast. He says, I'm so proud of my two daughters. My first daughter is married to a wonderful Christian man who owns his own chain of UPS stores. Um, at which point Finn starts to dissociate and have an anxiety attack, and then he goes- to, he escapes to the bathroom. At which point Russell asks Quinn if Finn wears a helmet when he's on the field. <laughs> which is not necessarily unwarranted, but is also kind of rude. <laughs> it's Russell. It's Russell. Yeah, so Finn is calling Kurt for, like, mor- um, moral support? Yeah. 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 And and Kurt's like, listen, you've got this. You're a great singer. I believe in you. And internally, Kurt is thinking, finally, you can ruin your relationship. Yes. And then and <laughs> then Finn says, I have to go. They'll think I'm pooping. <laughs> yes. But before he leaves the bathroom, because he went and hid in the Faberge bathroom, um, 
and they appear not to have a shower curtain on their bathtub, but that's fine, whatever, I guess. But before Finn leaves the bathroom, he does some, like, karate at himself in the mirror (laughs) to hype himself up. Finn, sweetheart. And then he comes back into the dining room after having taken Judy's radio from the kitchen. And he says, I have prepared a song. And Quinn says, for the love of God, do not do this thing. Finn, I- Tanner, what song does Finn sing? Let me get the lyrics because I want to actually sing it. <sighs> You're having my baby. What a lovely way of saying how much you love me. Having my baby. What a lovely way of saying what you're thinking of me. <sighs> yeah. So that happens. He sings the song, You're Having My Baby. So listen, we, we, need, to talk, we need to talk about this song. <laughs> because what, what did you message me while you were watching this? <laughs> I I messaged Tanner because I was I was running late on watching the episode and I messaged I messaged them and I said, uh, "You're having you're having my baby was so embarrassing I had to go do laundry <laughs> and listen. because it real bad. <laughs> it's 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 not a poorly sung song, but it is so secondhand embarrassing. Like this is like." Scott's Tots level of secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> and I haven't ever seen The Office. I I did have to watch it at time and a half speed to get through it. Because you're not wrong. Yeah. It's peak cringe. The song includes the line, the seed inside of you, and I don't like that. Yeah, that's the thankfully that's the point at which um Russell stops the music because if the only thing that could have the thing that actually like made him realize was a biblical mention of the me- of having sex. <laughs> yeah. But listen, I actually ended up really liking the scene because like yeah, Qu- Quinn tells him not to do it, but within seconds of Finn serenading her and her pregnancy yeah. and telling her how beautiful she is and how beautiful the fact that they're having a baby together is, Quinn is immediately all smiles and you can you can yeah. see inside her head and like she's clearly thinking Finn you beautiful idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Against all odds I apparently made the right choice. <laughs> For me the redeeming thing about this musical number is the fact that Finn is being so genuine with his singing and like it's not a badly sung song yeah but he is he is being very genuine with this song and quinn is quinn is definitely you know enjoying it in spite of herself which i appreciate yes but it is still an incredibly awkward song (laughs) i will also say that the fact that she's smiling throughout might be because they had to do so many takes of the song because diana and Corey kept on making each other laugh Purely because of the fact that he's singing "You're Having My Baby." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is good. It works out. It works with yeah. the scene. But but what doesn't work is Finn attempting to tell the Fabres this through song, because Russell stops the song, and he gets up and he stands like right next to Finn. And even though they're at least one head's difference in height, I bet Finn wishes he had that gun now. Yeah. 
<laughs> and thankfully at this point we cut to commercial break but then we come back and we're still at the fabres yeah we can oh god can you imagine if we're like let's cut the tension with another racky waitrell moment uh i think i would have got i i had enough emotional whiplash in this episode as it is i think if they had cut back to the b plot my head probably would have spun off my shoulders yep <sighs> yeah but yeah we're back with the fabres and Russell is reading Quinn the riot act of the the usual slut shaming and social manipulation exactly and emotional manipulation and abuse. But you know what, Diana Agron is acting. She is acting her like she she like she and Corey Monteith like there's in the a plot of this episode there was some genuinely great acting. Diana Monteith and. Uh. Uh, <laughs> Diana Agron and Corey Monteith and um oh gosh the actress who plays Carol whose name I can't remember I'm so sorry Romy Rosemont R- and Romy Rosemont they do some phenomenal acting in this episode yeah because okay so so uh basically it's like how dare you be pregnant in this good Christian home we thought you we raised you right Quinn and Finn's like you did raise her right she's still like a, a wonderful beautiful girl and the fact that she's pregnant doesn't change anything and Quinn's mm-hmm. like, I know this isn't what we all expected or hoped for, but Finn is a great guy, and I'm I'm sure he'd love the baby when she comes out. And then yeah. Russell like goes on this whole speech about em- how emotional abuse speech about like when when you when you were little, you were five years old, and I took you and your sister to the baseball game, and you fell asleep, and I hoped that the game wouldn't be exciting because then you would have woken up my perfect angel. Anyways, get out of my house. Yes, but now you are terrible. And even, and Quinn is like, no, Quinn is like, look, I'm still, <laughs> I, I'm still your daughter. And Russell's like, get, like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> he doesn't actually say fuck, but yeah. it's meant. Yeah. And then Quinn turns to her mom and is like, say something. You knew. No, it- no, oh. no. F- Finn asks her to do, Finn turns to Judy and he says, can you, like, like, please do something. Why aren't you saying oh, anything? Yeah. Because Finn is used to having a strong mother figure. Yeah. Then Quinn's like, no, if she wanted to do anything, she would have done it because she already knew. And Judy's like, what? But you never told me. And Quinn's like, but you knew. You're a mother and you knew. And I needed my mommy. And you were just the bitch watching Glenn Beck or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, and Quinn, like, I specifically wrote down, like, what she says here. Like, oh, thank you. Like, we, p- we push aside every bad thing, every bad feeling in a- that happens in this house. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Like, she does a great job standing up for herself, um, at which point Russell blows up and yells. And I think in a different episode, this would have been a scene of domestic violence. Yeah. Um, or in a... In a- did I say in a different episode, in a different show? Honestly, in, in a different, different episode, show. it could have been, too. If if Ryan yeah. Murphy was starting Glee from scratch today, it probably would have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Russell Russell blows up. Quinn turns to her parents for support and affirmation. Um, Finn looks like he's going to hurt someone on Quinn's behalf. Russell walks out and her mom follows. And Quinn, Quinn gets kicked out of her house. But then we have a great scene. Because they come back to the Hudsons. And Carol's like, Finn, you know you're supposed to turn your shirts inside out when they go through the wash. And Finn's like, hey, mom, Quinn got kicked out of her house by her parents. Can she stay here a few days? 
And and she's like, you can stay forever, honey. (laughs) You can stay forever because I'm a good mom and I support I support children. Yeah. And like Carol Hudson is a great mom. And I'm pretty sure so okay, so Finn does say a few days, and I'm pretty sure it's because Finn is thinking, the the her parents can't be that mad. Surely it will all blow over soon. There's no way oh, parents my sweet would child. Yeah, there's no way her parents would legitimately kick her out forever. Well Baby. Anyways, can we finish off the ghost of uh, <laughs> the ghost of Susie Pepper? Yeah, let's do it. Your let's your Moaning Myrtle comparison was actually spot on because she and Rachel do confront each other in the washrooms. They do. Susie comes out of the bathroom when Rachel's there primping and stuff, and Susie says, "Let me tell you something I learned through two years of intense psychotherapy and an esophagus transplant." <laughs> and then she reads Rachel for filth. Yeah. She basically, so she calls them both mildly attractive and extremely grating. Yeah. Um, and basically she says that girls on them imprint on people like Mr. Shu because he's the perfect ideal, but obviously they can never obtain that, and then it just reinforces their own idea that they don't deserve love. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's like, oh no. And she also tells Rachel to get that mildly attractive groove back. Yes. And then she stalks out to a vaguely positive funk beat. Yes. Uh, to ascend into the great beyond, I'm assuming. Yes. Farewell, Susie Pepper. We will not miss you. <laughs> we 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 respect you as a person, but we will not miss you on Glee. Yeah. Anyways, Rachel um, goes to Mr. Shu and she's like, I have a present for you. And Mr. Shu's like, please, for the love of God, stop. I'm going to have to call the police on both you and probably myself at this point. I'm sure I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's like, no, no, there are apology cupcakes for stalking you. Apology flowers. Oh, apology flowers. Right, the cupcakes. The cupcakes were a few episodes ago. Yeah. Um. She got him apology flowers that say, "Sorry, I've been acting crazy." Frowny face with a gold star sticker on it because, goddamn, she has a shtick and she is sticking to it. Yes. And then she says, "I've been planning on singing." Sorry seems to be the hardest word by Elton John because I know you love it, but. They don't actually sing it. I guess they couldn't get the rights from Sir Elton John, but whatever. Yeah, or they were probably just... This This song at this point is pretty chock-block full of musical numbers. Mm-hmm. It, it would completely true. wreck the pacing. And I, I'm glad they don't sing their feelings. This was definitely yeah. something that needed an honest discussion. Mm-hmm. And Rachel... You know what it also needed? It needed Rachel to start crying and then a Will to do the cool adult sit by turning a chair backwards. Okay, but you know what? I don't mind Will in this scene. Yeah, he's fine, I guess. Because he, he finally figured, figures out the words to say to Rachel. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, I, I'm not going to say I understand what you're going through, but you're clearly going through a lot, and I know that relationships at this age are hard. You yeah, he kind of says the same thing Susie did, but in a more sympathetic "you're gonna be fine" kind of way. Yeah, and he does tell her that at some point you're gonna find a guy your own age, yes, who's gonna <laughs> like everything about you, including the parts you don't like about yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Yeah. Congratulations, Will Schuster. You've had your teaching moment for the next five episodes. Yes. Or for this batch of five episodes, I guess. <laughs> um, then we get to go to... We are finally in the ending stages of this episode. Yes. Um, Finn tells Kurt that Quinn got kicked out. And like, yeah, you're playing what kind of screwy, bud. But I'm just glad that uh, everything's out there. And that we don't have any more secrets. <laughs> and then Kurt's like, uh-huh. 
Yeah. And then, then Finn's like, uh, anyway, sorry, sorry about all my baby drama. I'd really love to uh, help you work on your ballad if that's an option. And mm-hmm. Kurt's just like, I honestly love you. And Finn's like, that sounds great. <laughs> just like, he, he just completely misses the entire point and Kurt starts tearing up. Yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't know what that song is, but I'm sure you'll sing it great. And it'd be great to hear a happy song that has positive vibes after everything that just went down. Okay, Kurt. Kurt, honey, you need to know that Finn doesn't understand metaphors unless they're sports metaphors. Yeah. If you'd if you'd sung um oh god, that one that one song from High School Musical too. The one where the two guys sing it and then afterwards they've switched clothes. Oh, that one. <laughs> if he'd sung that song to 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 Finn, Finn might have understood it. Yeah. But thankfully, Mercedes rescues the situation before it can get any worse. Yeah, she's like, y'all have to come to the choir room. And Kurt is like, all right, we have a special surprise for uh, you and Quinn. And so they're, they're let in. Mm-hmm. Finn has his eyes closed and Mercedes is like, open your yes. eyes. Who told you to close their eyes? And Finn goes, is there a cake? Is there a cake? <laughs> no, there's not a cake. <laughs> oh, Finn. Uh, he gets sat down beside Quinn, who also has no idea what's going on. Will, like, steps out in front of the kids and says, Your teammates have prepared a musical number for you. <laughs> and Finn's like, cool, what is it? And then Rachel's like, shut up and listen. <laughs> and then they sing Lean On Me. They do. Artie and Mercedes get to take the lead. I think this is the only time in the episode Artie speaks. Yeah. he gets. I think he gets, like, two reaction shots at the beginning, and then he disappears. Yeah. Until the ending number. But yeah, um, it's it's a it's a really cute number. Um, Quinn is clearly delighted, and Puck is very clearly putting in the barest minimum of effort. I w- I would say he's trying very hard to appear supportive, even though he clearly only supports Quinn, and clearly only because he also wants to be dad. Yeah, yeah. He's just like he's always in the back of like the group shots and stuff. Yeah, and also um, when they get to the call on me when you need a friend. Kurt does a call me motion Mm -hmm. to Finn, and he's like, yeah, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. (laughs) Finn Finn has to take a second to buffer. Um, Quinn is going to cry. Um, Puck keeps making eyes at Finn. Er, (laughs) nope, that's a different fanfic. (laughs) Why couldn't they have named Finn anything else? (laughs) Um, Puck keeps making eyes at Quinn. Uh, who is like, okay, I guess we'll worry about that later. Um, and it's cute because, like, there's lots of, you know, like, the kids are all having fun with it and stuff. And, like, at one point, like, Brittany hugs Rachel and they, like, pull Quinn and Finn into the musical number and dance with them and stuff. And they all hug. Finn does a trust fall. Finn- oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see that part. It's it's near the end as they're, like, kind of zooming out to fade out the episode. Okay, okay. Yeah, it Mercedes gets her high whale note, and they all hug, and it cuts to black on them being friends. Yay! Also, I, at this point, I think it's probably common knowledge among like among Glee people like you and I, Tanner. Um, but neither Diana Agron nor Corey Monteith knew what this number was going to be before they were brought in. Yeah. Like they deliberately shut them out of rehearsals, so this was a complete surprise, and their reactions were genuine. Yeah. Which is good. They like all they knew was that there was going to be a number. Yeah, but it's it's really cute, and I like it. I, I appreciate that the Glee Club so far has had at least two numbers where they are like, "We support you." Yep. 
Actually, we probably should go into the wrap-up of bests and worsts. Yeah. Uh, Christina, I started. What was your Gold Star song? Um, I think my Gold Star song... I think I'm gonna give it to I'll Stand By You, honestly. Yeah, I have to do the it's, same. It, it's an extremely narrow margin over Lean On Me, but it gets the it gets the song choice for me because it is it is such it's a very genuine and heartfelt and emotionally charged number, and Corey Monteith does a good job in singing it and also acting it, and it furthers the plot. And plus I'm pretty sure that I gave some I gave a previous gold star to the last uh to the last we support you song <laughs> so um i'll be I, even i'm also going with i'll stand by you but my runner-up was actually you're having my baby okay I, and i think the only thing that nudged it out of the top spot was the line about the seed yeah i just don't call things seeds unless they are plants no 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 don't Please don't. What is your gold star moment? I think my gold star moment. Um, I think I'm going to give that award to just. Um, I want to give it to both the acting that Diana, Corey, and Romy do in the episode, but also to them as characters, because like even though you know Quinn was being extremely harsh and abusive to Finn, she also you know did that really awesome like. And justified takedown of her parents, and Finn is Finn is trying his absolute hardest. And Carol is just Carol Hudson is just a fantastic mother in person. Well, if you want to narrow it down, like for yourself, I am specifically putting Diana Agron's acting because that is what stood out to me the most. Okay, then I'll say Corey Monteith's acting. All right, Romy, we appreciate you. Yes, you're, R- Romy, if you show up, you're, if you're not getting a gold star, you're running up. You, you've got a silver star. Yes. Um, and what's the worst part? See, here's the thing, is that I can't decide whether it's the fact that they decided to use a song um, that uses the word seed, <laughs> whether it's the fact that Kind of this episode is Kurt's fault. <laughs> whether it's the fact that um, the Febreze are an emotionally abusive household, or whether it's the extremely disgusting and icky uh, subplot with Rachel and Will. I mean, it's, it's the worst part might be the seed, but the thing is, all the stuff in this episode that's like cringy and uncomfortable, it's supposed to be. Like, it's designed to be. Yeah. We're not coming in here saying, I can't believe Ryan, Brad, and Ian didn't realize that Rachel crushing on Will was gross. You're supposed to realize that. You're supposed to agree with Will and say, hey, stop that. What's yours going to be? I don't know. Well, you know, even even the line about the seed, as much as I hate it, it does play into the cringe factor of the song. It's it's hard to hone in on a specifically bad part of this episode. Look, we... We don't have to necessarily, like, we, we don't have to disqualify something from being the worst thing in an episode just because it was ne- intended to be the worst in the episode. <sighs> but but you know what I'm saying. Like, yes, I I understand what you're saying. What I, I am just adding to it that we are allowed to not like the things that we're not supposed to like. Yeah, um, well, no... I, I think I have to it's actually okay. dis- disagree it's on okay. that because I'm because if you, if you're not supposed to like it, then they've done their job correctly. 
Like, the my idea for worsts when, like, for Glee and just any kind of thing where I'm trying to pinpoint the worst, it's when the mm-hmm. creators have failed at something. And yeah. so if we don't like the thing we're not supposed to like, they're technically succeeding at what they're trying to do. <laughs> so I think with that in mind, my worst part is the fact that Susie Pepper is a grown woman. Okay. Well, if if I, I in this case, I will follow the same rules as you do. And then in that case, I'll make my worst the fact that Will didn't realize that singing was not going to deter Rachel from being interested in him. That is fair. Like, kudos to Will Schuster for realizing the first time that singing was not a good idea with Rachel. But the worst is the fact that he didn't remember it over the course of a day. Yeah. I can write that down if you don't know how to articulate it. Yeah, I think that's for the best. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in once we wrap up the episode. Which, I, if I remember incorrectly, it's my turn to wrap up. Yes. So let me get to the ending spiel. You know, I'm so glad that, like... I am definitely down for having guests on this podcast, as evidenced by the fact that we had a guest on last episode, (laughs) but I'm really glad we didn't have a guest on for this one. Yeah. I would not want to subject anyone to what we had to experience. I mean, part of the reason I want guests on this is so that I can subject everyone. Don't reveal your master plan, Taylor. I won't. I'll edit that out. (laughs) No one tell we're planning on entrapping them in five years. Oh, I'm not. (laughs) Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through loserlikemepod at gmail.com. And we do have uh, guest spots available. Um, if you are interested, I think we have a link up on our Twitter with the guest submission form. Uh, so if you are interested, feel free to fill that form out or to contact us through one of the official Twitters and we can discuss, uh, you being on an episode. And I think that's it. I don't know if we have any reviews yet. We haven't gotten any emails. Well, and also I can't check review. I don't think you can check reviews out of your country. So if we get Canadian reviews, you can't see them. And if you we get American reviews, then I can't see them. Tell you what, I'll check iTunes after we finish recording and I can launch iTunes without mel- melting audacity. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. But yeah, so that wraps up this episode. Uh, we guys will... Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week for uh, Season 1, Episode 11, Herography. Yes. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what, you what you missed, missed on Glee! Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Loser like me